Welcome to the Ride of My Life podcast. I'm Caroline Rena, and here, let the ride inside adventure begin. I will share what it's like on my own healing journey, and through what I learn and become aware of, provide insight to your journey as well. Hey everyone, I'm Caroline Rena, and welcome to the Ride of My Life podcast. And this podcast is basically about um, physically driving to different places and going inside and doing healing work and meeting with people and talking to people. And um, I'm working on that part of it right now, uh, doing some more uh, interviews to bring to you guys with some really cool people that I have met. Uh, and, um, basically what's happening right now is, uh, a lot of different things have been going on. I was in West Virginia for about three weeks. I just got back to West Palm beach to kind of regroup, um, for the next week or so. And then I'll be heading out again and I will let you know, uh, probably next week what the next location is. And so what I'm going to start with is um, the phoenix. Why the phoenix? I use it in my logo. Uh, it's, part of, um, it's part of who I am. It feels like it just, I resonate with it so well. I am a Leo, so I'm a fire sign. So, um, and there's been a lot of, you know, birth, death, rebirth cycles in my life. And it just kind of fits. And uh, in respect to that part of my healing. And so what I'd like to share with you is that the Phoenix has been really working its healing magic on me uh, recently, especially. And I'm just going to say um, like the symbol, the symbolism for the Phoenix is um, of hope, renewal, like I said, rebirth, immortality, resurrection, and then solitude and grace. And there's definitely been for the most part, quite a bit of solitude for me, not all the time, but uh, it, it doesn't, it's not an isolation. It's a solitude where I can be on my own by myself and not feel like I'm isolated. So that's part of this healing process that's been going on where I don't feel that way. And so just like the Phoenix um, emerges from the ashes, we, we do too. After devastation or anything that happens, you know, with our lives or whatever loss. And I can kind of, I mean, this is what shows up for me in my life where I can come back and be uh, a better version of me, I guess, for lack of better words, uh, remembering me. That's how I, that's how I kind of look at it. But um, it, the Phoenix for me gives people hope. And kind of urges for me, again, just keep going and just keep up with, uh, you know, our human spirit. And it's just so, uh, such a positive, um, empowering symbol for me. Uh, the, the phoenix itself in my logo represents the burning up of the old and renewing into the remembered. Now I don't say renewing into the new because I don't really think it's new because I think that <laughs> it's been there the entire time. It's just um, 
releasing the ashes as they blow away. And it just kind of brings out who I, who the truth of who I am. And that's, what's really cool about it. It's just, um, it's an incredible feeling. And I'm really grateful that I'm doing this. Uh, let's see. Um, anyway, the last podcast and blog I talked about was, uh, breathing and stillness. And it's, so important and I emphasized why and I did a recording on how and you can go and check that out on my uh, YouTube channel or if you're on Facebook you can you know find it um, there or on Instagram uh, and what I did I, I was in that stillness for about three weeks when I was in West Virginia and the person who I worked with, I've known him, I think, I want to say for about 15 years, maybe a little bit less. And he was like one of the first people that I connected with when I started this journey. So it was really, really important to me that he offered to work with me to walk me through some of this stuff. So I'm really grateful for him and his partner for allowing me uh to stay in their home as a, as a sort of retreat and um, for everything that they provided for me. And I'm just really grateful for that. And I just wanted to share that. Um, and then also the work itself that I did with him was so profound. I mean, he, he walked me through like the deepest of what, I mean, you can call them personal narrative. That's what he calls it. There's beliefs. There's you know, lies, stories we tell ourselves, you know, whatever, whatever the word is that you like to use, that's what we walked through for me. And these deeply held stories that we tell ourselves that hold ourselves back or hold us back in life because um, even though we don't really know it or understand it for the most part, our bodies and our minds follow the guidance of these stories and they're stored in our subconscious, in our nervous system, in our physiology. We wrote, and well, in most cases, well, in all cases, I think, at least for me, we don't have control over it until we do. But the control is a decision. And a decision is because we don't want to live our lives that way anymore. It's almost like for me, like I had this 10-year-old little, ten, ten little girl running my life. And she was making all the decisions and I let her and I'm like, no, I don't want to do that anymore because I don't like the results that are coming from this. And it took a long, long, long time to get, get myself even to be aware of what was happening. And, and again, you know, I talk about trauma, trauma will do that to you. Um, it, it, it wreaks havoc on the nervous system based off of the stress response from the trauma and it just breaks down the system and, and it, it, it doesn't really get better unless you change it. Um, you can't, as, as time goes on, things actually start to even feel like it's getting worse. And I feel like the older we get, if we don't do the changes, if we don't work on ourselves, if we don't find what's going on, it's not, I witnessed it in my, my own mother, my mother. Um, it got so bad for her that she got to the point when um, just before she died that she just stopped talking because she she never, never really understood or connected with what was going on for her. And um, I felt like it needed to stop 
I, I felt like the cycle needed to be broken in, in, you know, in my family. I didn't want this to happen anymore. It's just so uh, tiresome and and painful. And I don't, you know, I mean, it's, it's not the best way to live life. And so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, in fact, I started this about 30 years ago at this point. And the different paths that I have gone down outside of me, you know, like Native American spirituality and metaphysical and, you know, all these different things, um, they pointed me in directions, but they weren't complete. And it ended up being where it pointed back into myself, inside myself where the truth is. And where the stories and the lies are in there covering these truths. And these truths are really basically things that I've always wanted, such as peace, love, joy, all the things that life is made of once they're found and they're in there. I know they are now because I can feel them. And um, the answers are in there through the peace, the love, the joy, those, those types of things. And yeah, the external life or the, I'm sorry, the external stuff in life make things enjoyable, but sometimes I've noticed it just doesn't seem to be enough. It's like when we get to that thing that we've wanted out there for so long and we get it and it's like, okay, now what, what's next? That's what it feels like. But peace and love and joy don't really, don't do that. And I'm finding that too. And um, so in the last blog entry, I gave a description of the kind of healing work that I was doing and, and um, the process and all that stuff. And the first thing was a session on the narrative that I was holding. Uh, and this was the deepest of all lies that I've told myself, which is, I have to suffer to get my needs met. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's like, I don't know if this is past life stuff, whatever, but I do know that it is related to this life stuff because the, the, what I received or did not receive as a, as a baby and, and as a child, the nurturing and, and, it, and it isn't, through the fault of anyone, it was more like through what they learned. And so that's why I'm breaking the cycle. But the, the women in my family were not nurturing, they were surviving. And so, and I've talked about this before, and you can't nurture when you're in survival mode. It just doesn't work that way. You're constantly, you know, on point, waiting for something to happen, waiting for the next shoe to drop or whatever. And, um, so the suffering was left in my memories as a child. And a lot of the memories, it was, it was so much suffering. And this could be, you know, generational trauma suffering also. And, and it was just stuff, energy that was in there. And I didn't remember things. I had no idea there were some things that happened when I was a little girl that I don't even remember. Little by little, things are coming up, but um, I don't even know if it's really necessary. But anyway, um, so they stuck in me, and even the ones that I couldn't remember made me feel like I was going through this, this, you know, suffering, I guess is the best word I can use right now, 
um, because I wasn't getting my needs met in the way that I needed as a child and nobody really understood how to do that, like I said. So there's no judgment, there's more empathy because they didn't understand because of their own trauma that they went through. So, uh, so then throughout the time, it's like everything got all mixed up. The anger, the sadness, even the forgiveness got mixed up in all of that. It was all in there. And so now I'm going to um, kind of describe what the session was about. So it was simple enough. I kind of explained the process as using kinesiology, which a lot of people know of as like somebody, uh, you know, trying to lower your arm to see if something um, like a supplement or something is good for you or whatever. There's different ways of doing kinesiology. The one that I learned was actually using my fingers like this. And then putting these fingers in here and a yes, like it's daylight, this would be yes, which it is daylight right now, or it's nighttime and that's no, so it would release. So that's a no answer and this is a yes. And so we were using kinesiology um, to find out what the phrase was or the belief system that I had that was most important to work on. And then we had another version of kinesiology where I was laying on my back and pushing on my the biggest my thigh muscle, which is the strongest muscle in the body, and uh, using that to test me as I was doing bilateral stimulation, which is a form of EMDR. That's all. It's just tapping on shoulder back and forth, and just really slow doing that. And then I was saying my belief system, which was I have to suffer to get my needs met. And I live that out in every aspect of my life. I did it in work, relationships, my health, everything. And I recognized, started to see that, but it was starting to come into my, my mind. And it was like, well, this is while I was doing the, doing the process. And then at some point, so what happens is I'm pushing on my knee, on my, um, on my knee, which is bent. I'm gonna give you an example like this. <laughs> and um, I'm doing that, I'm doing this, I'm saying the words, and then eventually what happens is the stronger the push on my knee meant that I still believe that, that my body, my physiology still believed that. And little by little, it started to let go. So I couldn't hold it anymore. And it's just such an interesting, again, look it up, kinesiology, very interesting um, and helpful way of understanding what our body really wants for us um, because the body is our vehicle and it knows. And so I went through that process and wow, I mean, like things started opening up, things started shifting. I didn't believe that anymore. So now, so before, before it was, I have to suffer to get my needs met. Well, I don't anymore. That was the no. But when I did it at first, it was, it was doing, sorry, it was doing the yes, it was holding on. And um, if you think this is hokey, hokey junk, whatever, and that's okay, I don't care. I try things. I don't, I don't just take people's word for things. I'll try it and just do it no matter what it takes because I like to find out for sure. And this is my experience. If you don't believe it, I am perfectly okay with that. But I'm just sharing it, okay? So it gives you something to look up if you're interested. If you're not, that's okay too. So um, anyway, uh, 
So the last three weeks have been a long journey. I was, uh, you know, not isolating. I was hibernating <laughs> in the cold, in the snow, and, you know, all that weather up there in West Virginia and doing the healing work and just um, spending time with my friends. And it was really, really so powerful for me. And it's been, you know, an interesting journey up until this point. And it really opened the way for another, uh, for more healing over the next few days. And this brings us to uh, Monday, this past Monday. So I was pushed out of the nest, which I needed to be, uh, my safety nest, and onto the next thing. And I, um, I was getting quite comfortable and warm, and I knew that it was time to happen. Um, and it was kind of trying for me as I was working through where, you know, what my next step was. And, but once I left and took the journey back down to West Palm Beach, I had closure from some other things that I chose to do. And I'm going to, that's what I'm going to share right now because it's pretty cool. So Monday I headed to Pittsburgh around that area and um, my ex, my kid's dad, my ex and I used to own a house in Bethel Park. And I decided to drive by that house. And it was my first stop. It's been many, many, many years since I've been there, probably 20. Um, and I was just looking at the house. It was totally done up differently. It was re, it was redone. It was beautiful. And um, looking at it, for some reason, I can't explain any of this stuff. It just helped me to discover who I am. Like I felt better and more relaxed about things, seeing the change of, you know, the beautiful changes in the house. And um, I sent a picture, <laughs> I sent a picture of the house, the new house to my uh, son. And he was like, oh, I remember that. And I'm like, yeah, but it was yellow before. So it was like, an old Sears Roebuck kind of house. It was really cool. I really loved that house. But anyway, then, so I had some closure there. And then the next stop was from my second marriage where um, we lived in a house in Rice's Landing, Pennsylvania, which is in Southwestern Pennsylvania. And this, this, um, this one really helped me to discover who I am not. Uh, I, it's a small town. It's not, it, it's just, I discovered things about myself that I just did. And I lived um, through it uh, because I felt like I needed to, or because I wanted to be with him or because, because, because I don't, I don't remember why, but I was living in this small town that I didn't belong in. And I recognized that. And uh when I drove past the house that we used to live in, it looked terrible. It was sad. It was like, it was like it had these, the, the beautiful siding that we had put up. We had, we had fixed the house up and raised the, literally raised the roof and made a, a bigger pitch on the roof and expanded the bedroom and fixed up the bathroom. And I can't even imagine what it looks like inside now, but the, the, the outside of the house was like junked up and it was really sad for me. And it was a beautiful lesson. And I really, really, really loved the family that I married into at the time. And I, and I enjoyed the times that we spent together. I still didn't fit in. And 
it was it was not obvious to me while I was in it until I got out and then looked back at it and knew that it wasn't, I just didn't fit in, in the environment with them. And I don't think that they thought that I did either. And, you know, and it's okay. And there's no judgment. It's just like understanding closure. And I think it turned out to be beautiful in its own right, even just stopping by and seeing the house and um, the yard that, uh, that we used to, you know, meet the neighbors and different things like that. And then this is the big one. So I headed south out of Pennsylvania to West Virginia again. And I'm driving down 79. And this was a literal healing journey into my past to when I had a motorcycle accident. And I think it was back in 2006. And it was with my second husband. And I didn't realize driving until I did that I was actually on the same path down to where it happened. And I wasn't, I, I, my memory was kind of evading me and I didn't really know exactly, you know, what it was, but it started to come <laughs> and, and I started to see things. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, okay. And as I got closer to where we had stopped just prior to the accident, um, I started to cry. It was just like tears. There wasn't anything, you know, really, that I was thinking, it was just tears coming. And I drove, um, I, I think that, I'm sorry, I think, I think it was for just maybe grieving the lost woman back then who I was and from the fear of the accident. And we were, we were just driving down, or I'm sorry, riding down to North Carolina to be camping. And we never made it. And I'm going to kind of go back and forth. So it's going to go between what I was thinking while I was driving down there this time and the uh, story. So as we were driving back then down to, um, down to North Carolina, we passed through Somerville, West Virginia. I remember that as I was driving through it again. I don't remember much else as far as whether we stopped for lunch or gas or anything, but I remember going through there. And then as I was, as I drove through the present and the past at the same time, that's the other thing that was really cool. It was like, it was really surreal. It was like I was flashing in and out of consciousness because I was going, I, I saw myself driving, but then I saw myself riding the motorcycle. I saw myself driving. I saw myself on the back of the motorcycle. And I can't really explain it any better than that, but that's what it felt like. So we were, and I was at the same time in the present heading down to Interstate 77. And right before we got there, we stopped at this place uh, at New River Gorge where there's a bridge that crosses over the gorge that you don't cross over it right away. You can go into this like area that you can take pictures of this beautiful gorge um, with the bridge, with the river below, and you're pretty far up. And I went in and um, I just stood in the parking lot and remembered that that's where it was that we made the decision to take our leather jackets off. And I think we grabbed a snack, I can't remember. And then we went over and down to the bridge and took pictures, which I did um, on Monday. And then when we were done, just like I did, we went back up to where my car was Monday and the motorcycle was back then. And we got ready to leave and we put our helmets on and started our drive down to North Carolina and we never made it. 
at that point in the juncture before the accident, um, we were heading towards the toll road, which was also an interstate. It was weird because usually interstates don't serve like that, that one, that way as a toll road, but that intersection did. And we were headed there, but didn't make it there. And neither did I, because I didn't want to, I didn't want to get on a toll road. So um, back then, as we're driving down 19, headed towards that intersection or that area where the toll roads was um, set up, there was construction and there was one of those, um, I guess from the metal grid thing that they put in the road, there was a piece that got caught up in the tire and punctured the back tire. And I just remember hearing him, like I remember the motorcycle was kind of going one side to the other side like that. I heard him say something squirrely. And then I looked down and I saw the lines in the road and I kind of zoned out into the lines. And all I heard was, everything will be fine, you will be fine. And I remember turning around and looking at a van behind us. And at that moment it had started to rain. And then I turned around and faced forward. And basically that was, that was it. And what I remember they call on a motorcycle, when you, uh, it's called high siding on a motorcycle. I get to learn a lot with experience as we all do. And it basically, you come to a point and then it kind of just, it stops and landed on its side. And uh, I fell far enough away from it where it didn't land on me. And I think he did too. But um, he had total control over the motorcycle, thank goodness. And he slowed it down from, I guess we were going 50, 55 or 65 down to 25 when it, when it turned over. And next thing I know, I remember waking up and I saw a woman holding an umbrella over me. And then the next thing I knew, I kind of blanked out again. And I, and I, uh, I woke up in the ambulance. We were headed to Beckley Hospital, which was right down the road, which at that point in time, I was not aware of that. I thought it was further away. But um, my, you know, I mean, when you're in something like that, everything kind of blends together. So I didn't know. So anyway, the woman who was holding the umbrella was the same woman who I looked right at in the van behind me right before I turned around and, and it happened. So anyway, from as a result of the accident, I had road rash on my left shoulder, obviously, because we took the jackets off. Don't take your jacket off. <laughs> Lesson learned. If I ever get on a motorcycle again, I am not taking a jacket off. I don't see myself doing that. And then I had road rash on my hand. And it was weird because I wasn't really crying. I was tearing up. I was numb. And I couldn't show my fear. That's what, how I felt. My anger, pain, sadness, fear kind of all got stuck in me so that I wouldn't look bad to anyone um, because they were... Uh, a really tough family and they, they could handle different things and they didn't really cry and they weren't afraid of anything. And they were like, you know, and that's not who I, who I am. However, I felt like I needed to do that. And I couldn't bear to look like a weakling because I thought I would never live it down with them. So that's what I remember. And it's like I said, it's stuck inside of me and the accident kind of nailed it in there. Maybe I already felt like that anyway, but the accident nailed it in there. And 
I saw all of the, the past stuff in my mind's eye um, and on the road again, this time in my car, I'm still, I'm headed to North Carolina. So at this point, here's where the healing really happened for me because where I turned off was before the accident. And I didn't really walk through that piece of it because I wasn't, I didn't want to get on the toll road. So, um, however, when I made that turn, uh, it was, it took me on a different route and passed by the hospital that I was in. And at that moment, um, I just let it out. I was the anger at the fact that I had, like I've had this pain on my left side and my back um, for the past 15 years. The anger that I couldn't allow myself to feel, the fear, the pain, the sadness about the whole thing all held inside for all this time. And it finally came out and I yelled and I screamed and I cried and I grieved and I released until I had no more left. And I, and I pushed it. I actually made myself until I really just didn't have anything left inside. I couldn't cry. I couldn't do anything anymore. It was gone. And it was all out of me and I felt lighter. And that was, that was the process. And I'm glad I went that direction. I didn't a hundred percent fully make the decision to go that way. And it worked out that I did, and I was able to release that. And it was interesting because in the morning before I left, my friend said to me, you do realize you're going to have to do some more work on probably the motorcycle accident and maybe EMDR or something, but you're going to have to do that. And I got to do partial work with it, and it was very um, relieving and helpful. And so now I'm going to see what happens and what my next steps are if I'm going to need to do any more work on that because that's been a big deal that this accident accidents will hold stuff in your body that kind of trauma too hold, gets held in the body so it needs to be released in whatever way you find to do the releasing it could be somatic some kind of body work EMDR whatever you do that's how it can be released and uh so finally the last thing that happened, which was interesting, I didn't expect this, was I was on the road heading down into South Carolina and I passed by Fort Jackson in Columbia. And that's where I did basic training when I joined the army. And that brought up some things for me. And it wasn't as major because I've been there before, but some things came up and I felt like on the back end of what had just happened with, you know, with the motorcycle accident and, the, and the visiting the houses and everything, I was like, you know, seeing if there's anything left over. There was a little bit. I walked through it. I did some tapping and it just, it, I, it just calmed down. And um, it was really good to let go of all that stuff. It felt really good. And then finally, the big moment for me was sleeping in my nice, comfortable bed. I have kind of sort of a bed. It's a foam pad. And I've got a sleeping bag and blankets and all that. And I slept in there on Monday night. And I got to face that one, that fear too, which really wasn't a fear. Um, it's just that I've never done it before in that way. And I was definitely prepared and I did well and I felt really empowered from that and I'm really happy about it. And so it was so releasing all the stress from, from holding it in that kept me in hypervigilance 
all that was gone too. It felt better. I'm feeling, I felt calmer. I'm feeling calmer. My mind, my nervous system doesn't feel like it's on hyperdrive anymore. It doesn't feel like I'm like, Ooh, you know, getting ready. If something clicks wrong or, you know, whatever, if I hear a noise, I'm not like this, you know, which I, which I did for a long time. And it's such a different feeling than what I'm used to have, uh, what I've been used to dealing with throughout my life. And for me, there's hope, there's renewal and there's resurrection, you know, and that's the whole thing with, um, like with the Phoenix that I was talking about at the beginning. And I've discovered and realized that on this part of my journey, that there are things inside me that are begging to be released and let go of, and I'm just going to allow it to happen. And if it doesn't feel good for a minute, which sometimes it doesn't, it will feel better afterwards. And I'm noticing that more and more as I keep doing this. And I feel like the Phoenix, like emerging from the ashes with hope for my present and future. And I feel more present in the moment that I ever have in my entire life. And I think that is really the coolest thing um, about this process. And uh, so I hope that gave you some, you know, recognition for yourself that whatever you choose to do, you don't have to do it in a big way. You can do it in, in a small way. If you want to go get closure and you want to just go like to your high school or something and stand outside and do that. I've done that before. You know, there's so many different ways of getting closure. I Closure is important for me. So that's, that's why I did what I did. And healing is important for me because I don't want to carry this, you know, agitated, anxious feeling around with me anymore. I'm done. I can't, I, I just don't, it's not happening anymore because I want to live my life fully and I want to enjoy my life. And I don't, I choose not to do that. And so um, having said that, the ride inside continues. Don't know how yet. I will let you know on this Ride of My Life podcast. And I hope you have a beautiful moment and uh, blessings to you on this day or night. And thank you so much for being here. Take care. Bye-bye.